Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back to Keeping You 100 Radio. I am so pumped for today's episode. I have Rachel Halverson here on the pod. We have been trying to get together and record a podcast for a while now, but um, if you know me, I'm really awful at answering emails. So it's been a long time coming, but I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, do you want to give a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, I do. I am excited that we finally, the anticipation of emailing was, is made this all the more sweeter for me. So, um, but my name is Rachel. <laughs> I am a registered nurse, certified diabetes care and education specialist, and a board certified nurse coach. I like to get the whole alphabet out there. Um, and basically my my job is to basically empower people with diabetes to discover strategies like we're going to talk about today that kind of remove the overwhelm from living with diabetes and just streamline their care so they can stop chasing blood sugars all day. Um, I'm also a person living with diabetes, so I extra um, more can, can at least relate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a little, little uh, bit more able to relate to to what everybody is going through because I have definitely been there, done that, still do that. Oh yeah, I, I feel like there's like nothing worse than when you're sending an appointment and like you just know that your provider does not live with diabetes. Like I think I don't know if I've ever had a provider actually like whether they're a nurse or my my dietitian or like actually live with diabetes. So I love that. Has your diagnosis did that influence your career path or was that totally separate? It was pretty separate. I first the the career that I very much wanted to go into was music. I am a classically trained cellist and that oh. was my first degree. But um, my mom, being the smart lady that she is, told me, she said in the eighth grade, because I told her, I was like, I'm going to be a musician mom. And she's like, well, funny story, you're um, chronically ill, so you need health insurance. So she always told me, she's like, you're going to be a nurse and a musician. Um, So I did. I went to music school and nursing school at the same time. It was the worst decision I ever made. But I did. I survived. And I worked as a musician for a long time. And then by the time I was 26, I was like, I guess I'm a nurse now. And um, I was very adamant about not working with in diabetes, mostly because everybody kept telling me I should. And I was just being very contrary. But I did discover that I needed to be in that space, mostly because it seemed like all of my patients were like really just basically abused in the system. and. I wanted to be there to deprogram that and, and like be a person who, cause I, I, we all have experienced like horrible traumatic experiences, whether that was during diagnosis or at a doctor's appointment where we've been interrogated or, or made to feel really awful about ourselves. Um, and so I wanted to at least be a person that, that sees people that, that would not be like that. Um, and could maybe hopefully give them a little bit of, um, positive space in, in diabetes. So um, that's why eventually I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll cave and I will go get my certification. 
you and I'm do. glad I did. It was it was a good journey. So. <laughs> I think we all kind of like have that mindset too. At one point of like, no, I want nothing to do. Like diabetes is so already so ingrained yes. in my life and like so present that I don't I don't want to do anything relating to diabetes. I had the same thought. I went to college for engineering, not an engineer. Um, yep. But you're definitely. I think a lot of us can definitely relate. Do you still play the cello? I do. I get. Uh, I do some occasional like wedding gigs or like little symphony gigs and it's nice because I like now I don't have to do it for keeping myself alive so (laughs) I can take take some of the gigs that I I want to do and and play music for the the sake of enjoying it at least right Right. No, I, yeah, Jordan is, I mean, if you, so we're supposed to be recording on Facebook and uh, technical difficulties did not allow us to do that. So um, if you're listening in on the podcast, you can't see me, but I'm in Jordan's office, which he is a drummer. So it's his drum room. So literally behind me, you can see just his whole drum set. So um, when I met him, he was actually a full-time drummer and it just like wore down on him so much of like the constant, like having to gig because you have to make money. And then yeah. he finally became a firefighter. And now he has like this flexible schedule that allows him to still take the gigs that he wants to do. But it's not like he's like mm-hmm. exhausted of from like doing all these gigs that he hates. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's like that happy medium that you have to find, I think. Absolutely. And I, I think this is a pretty, I, it's amazing how many like second career, um, like healthcare workers, I would consider firefighters healthcare workers as well. Yeah, Online <laughs> somewhere, they're, they're always they're always over here uh, resuscitating everyone. So, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, but the amount of nurses, diabetes educators, and and people that I've met that were um, creatives of some sort, and a lot of musicians, um, lots of like hair hairdressers and things like yeah. that, stylists um, that went into healthcare um, mostly because we needed uh, <laughs> needed to. Mm-hmm have something uh to help us um not not feel so busy and overwhelmed and burned out music yeah. or whatever art space you're in so yeah hey the health common. insurance is freaking expensive so it's kind of important yeah <laughs> a little bit but let, take us into your diagnosis journey a little bit when were you diagnosed uh what was that like yeah like take us into that a little bit i always feel like i had three diagnoses in my life but I when I was five uh, was when I was diagnosed um, I was on a camping trip and I was drinking excessive amounts of Mountain Dew and um, two of my family members were nurses and they were like oh, oh no Rachel Rachel's not doing something <laughs> and actually I was very fortunate they caught it very early I was not I didn't need to go to the ICU. I, uh, you know, I was, was very, very, very privileged and lucky that I had uh, people that were able to get me to the doctor fast enough. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been 26 years of uh, diabetes <laughs> since then. Um, so it's it's always really interesting when I started working as an educator and I worked with like adults or people that were diagnosed as young adults. It's just so different. Um, kind of like the grieving process that you go to to go through or, or just the you know when I was little I just cried about it for a day and then I was like well this is fine and, and that was it <laughs> right um, so it's it's very interesting the difference between when you're you know diagnosed how that affects you but um my like I said I have I feel like I had a second diagnosis because I did not receive very adequate 
diabetes education throughout my years growing up. And it could very well have been that I wasn't paying attention when it was given to me, (laughs) but nobody was really assessing my knowledge. And I very honestly thought that like I had been brainwashed so heavily into the idea that like type 2 diabetes and type 1 diabetes are so different and that it has nothing to do with me that I really thought that I was not at risk for complications. I thought everything was chill as long as I took my insulin because that's what you hear a lot of. And thankfully not as much anymore, but like at the time JDRF and everybody like in the diabetes space was like, you can do anything you want. You can eat whatever you want. And then you can also just dose with insulin and it'll be so I was like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And Perfect. then I got to nursing school. <laughs> and, like, oh, and I remember, I will remember it forever and ever. I was sitting in a high-risk pregnancy course. And and it just said diabetes, like risk uh, for people with diabetes. It didn't specify type 2 or type 1. And I was like, oh, my God. I am the same. <laughs> like, at the same risk. So I, I feel like it was at that moment that I understood, like, how um, significant it was and, and like that I needed to to learn more about it and um, just get my stuff together. So um, about how sad is that? It took me to, to being a nurse. Um, and had I not been a nurse, would I ever have found out about it? I don't know. Um, well, it's, so. it's kind of like, I mean, I hear that because again, well, I think there's like a certain thing when you're diagnosed, at least when I was like, because opposite end of the spectrum, I was 19. So I was in that early Mm -hmm. adulthood. And the one thing that I was reading online and I was told in my office, my endo's office was like, this isn't your fault. You're type one. So like already we have this drastic like separation between like type one, type two. But to your point, high blood sugar is high blood sugar. Like doesn't matter at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. So um, how did that change your management style and like your, your care style? I did get it together. And then, <laughs> but I think to the point where it was not super healthy, um, I, as a lot of people do, I got like really like obsessive about it. Um, I fell down the plant-based cult, if anybody knows what that is like. Um, and I had been vegan for many, 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 many years prior to that, but like it got worse because I, I felt like I was now really, because I was monitoring my blood sugars, I was like more obsessive about it and like, I'm not gonna eat any carbs I'm gonna, or, or I just, or get rid of all that, all the fat, just cutting out food left and right. Um, and then I, uh, started dating another personal type one who is a, who, um, is a very lean male he looks like he could just a gust of wind could pick him up right and he is over here drinking dr pepper like straight up regular dr pepper and like eating whatever he wants doing what a beautiful a1c beautiful blood sugar sounds like that's and real? it was like probably at that point that i was like oh we are just a very i didn't really realize how everybody is so different um because i wasn't yet like an educator I wasn't working in that space um and then once I started working with more people with diabetes I was like holy cow we gotta we gotta figure out like um strategies to help people because our bodies are just all especially male and female very very different and then um on top of that just our bodies just do different things so that was very similar like my third diagnosis I was like oh god this is more more complicated than I thought (laughs) 
<laughs> right. It's like different awakenings of like, okay, I'm, I'm realizing yeah. the the importance of taking care of my management. And then there's that third awakening of like, I'm realizing that it's not so black and white and there are different ways yeah. of doing it. And like what I'm doing might not apply to the next person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are, I, I love how you like frame them as your different diagnoses. That's, I was, my head automatically went to, well, like I have diabetes, I live with Crohn's, I'm going to have Hashimoto's. Like I went to like all yep. the different so I'm glad you specified. But no, I'm really glad that you brought up of that, you know, that narrative around different management styles and how like they are so different because one thing that you and I were discussing before hopping on, uh, before recording was kind of around different foods and meals and how it's not one size fits all. And what might work for you might be different for me. And what I what I see a lot on social media or what I first like Googled whenever I wanted to finally explore like new foods or like realize that there's more than one strategy was like, how do I dose for X? How do I like to just tell me what insulin to take? Tell me what strategy to use. And you and I know that it's not as simple as just saying, okay, do this, take this many units over this many t- miss this many hours. Um, and I think that really throws a lot of people off. And what I want this episode to kind of be about is all about kind of creating that having that bolus plan of like if i just understanding how not not literally how to dose for things but so everybody has can create their different plan for how to accommodate those more difficult to bolus food groups or food meals um i went on my instagram stories and i just kind of asked like hey what are like the most difficult foods to bolus for in your opinion because we all have them um, and we found some really common meals that I want to chat through today. If you're you're feeling up for it, I'm gonna throw you some curveballs. So ready. <laughs> so Let's the the number one food that we got was pizza, and it's I feel like this is yeah, feared by many. One. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> feared by many, uh, <laughs> conquered by by few. Uh, but <laughs> um. Yeah. So what I usually and pizzas, the reason why I think we that's the 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 like visual or or the the hallmark of uh, an extended or or split bolus or a hard bolus is because it's it's a really good example of like a high fat, high protein, hard carb meal. It's like everything. So I always make sure that everybody understands um, what the different macronutrients do in the body and how that lines up with insulin or doesn't line up with insulin. So protein and fat both are going to have an impact in the sense that they are going to slow down your digestion. So let's say your stomach usually takes like three to four hours to to digest the food. And that's that's kind of the the usual balanced meal for you. And then The insulin itself has a duration of like three to four hours. So that's why most of the time it lines up. So there's a little peak, but it helps bring it down each time. When you eat something that is very, very high carb, very, very high protein, very, very high fat, there's going to be changes in the way you digest and it's not going to line up with the insulin action time anymore. And that's why we get really weird blood sugars (laughs) going on. Um, in very strange patterns. So the good news is we can 
we can stretch and modify sort of how we give the insulin to best line up with the food. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it takes it just takes some trial and error. And as you can imagine, is very dependent on just the person and the individual. So what we're going to give you is really, like you said, a baseline, and then you have to go from there. Um, and I, I will say, I, I like to tell this story. I know I already told Lissy the story, but telling you all, um, it's just, just to give you an idea. Um, I was with a friend that also has type one diabetes. We are both medical professionals. We both, um, understand very thoroughly how, how all of this works. And we've also, you know, been living with diabetes for a while. We both were, um, hanging out and we went to continental breakfast at a hotel and got a really crappy Belgian waffle that you get to pour. And it's, it's very exciting. And we had the same, no syrup or anything because they didn't have sugar-free and it was just the same waffle, same batter. She insisted on giving herself enough insulin for 80 grams of carbohydrate. And I was insisting that it was 55 grams. And we both dosed for what we thought the carb estimate was, which was really very different. (laughs) And we both stayed steady. So it wasn't that the waffles were like mutated or crazy or anything like that. And and it's just a matter of like, maybe her body digests carbs a little bit more efficiently than mine. So she had to take a little bit more insulin for it. Maybe my insulin to carb ratio is totally off, but really all that matters is that we both stayed steady. Um, so I want everybody to always remember that, like it may be totally different from what we're saying right now, but as long as it's working for you and you're safe and your blood sugars are doing what they need to do and you feel good and all you know then i don't care how you do it so yeah <laughs> it's just the baseline. end result is the same right so like mm-hmm. I, I feel like oh my gosh sorry i just my dog's sitting right next to me um i'm not even gonna edit this out he got sprayed by a stunk a week and a half ago and his breath still <laughs> stinks and he just started licking himself so i just got a big old whiff of it, it really distracted. <laughs> it's not cute not cute at all <laughs> so bad um (laughs) completely lost where i was going with that but no yeah absolutely to your point everybody's so different and like the end result is the same right so it's Mm -hmm. as long as like you understand your body and i know that's like for me it's been one of the most frustrating things of just hearing like just learn your trends just learn your trends it's like yes um absolutely understanding your trends but even deeper than that i think it's knowing your body right like knowing like how different factors influence you as a person like like you said like different things are going to influence you differently than it, they influence that person so as long as you know that i think you yeah exactly um so when you have a meal like pizza like what are the different factors that you are or like the different questions that you're asking yourself. Like you have a piece of pizza in front of you. What are you asking yourself? Yeah. Well, I know people love a good nutrition label. I think at some point you just know, like, this is what I have to do for pizza and you don't have to, you know, sit there and sort of figure it out. But when you were beginning, totally okay to look at it. So I am a Papa John's kind of gal. Do they have that in New Jersey? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) That is my favorite. So a like medium slice of Papa John's The Works pizza has 27 grams of carbs, 9 grams of fat, and 9 grams of protein. Um, doesn't seem that wild, but I want to eat like three of those. <laughs> like who eats one slice of pizza? Um, so then that's that's where we start getting into the okay, this is this is gonna be a 
heavier carb, heavier fat, heavier protein meal. So now I'm at 81 grams of carbs and 27 grams of fat and 27 grams of protein. So I can look at that. And personally, I know that usually if I'm about to hit 30 grams of fat, I need to do something. About some people, it takes like, if we look at some of the, they did some like a clinical trial where they really hone in on some like formulas, they were unsuccessful. But they did find that like sort of the baseline for most people is greater than 40 grams of fat would be something that you probably need to increase the insulin. Um, but it's again, it's just an memory. Um, so in this case, I'm just I'm like, this is a higher fat meal, very high carb and very high protein. So what I want I know is going to happen is it's going to slow down my digestion first and foremost. So that means I need to figure out how to keep my insulin in my body longer, <laughs> longer than the three hours that it typically is in there, as well as like making sure it doesn't peak before the food even starts to digest. So the, the classic thing you see with pizza is if you give yourself, you're being a really good person with diabetes and you give yourself a pre-bolus and you, you carb counted to a T and then um, you eat your pizza, you have a great time and you immediately go low. And then the reason for that is because the pizza still has not left the building. It has not been released from the stomach um, because it's just hanging out there. So um, basically we're, we're going to have to nix the pre-bolus because you don't want to get the insulin started too soon. I eat, uh, you take it after you eat the pizza or, or during or, or right before, again, just depending. And then um, we also want to stretch it. So that's what we call a combination bolus or a split bolus. And that's when you take a certain percentage up front and then a certain percentage afterwards. You can do this with both MDI and a pump. It'll just look a little different. The pump takes the first percentage and gives it up front as an actual bolus. And then it extends like very slowly the rest of the um, insulin over a certain amount of time, uh, which can puts you at a little bit more of an advantage, but it still does work with MDI. You just might need a couple more injections um, as opposed to, to two, two splits. Um, but again, the reason we're doing that is because we're assuming this pizza is going to take like six hours to digest. So if we split it up, and we give it, you know, it's going to have that first one is going to have a three hour duration. And then the second one's going to have a three hour duration. So we're trying to stretch it out so that it it hits where it needs to. Um, and then mess, I think people really miss the pre-bolus side of things. That really makes a huge difference. That's how you like if you have a high fat, high protein or a very large meal in general, um, you really don't want a pre-bolus or you're going to go low. because everything is just um, hanging out in your stomach. So I think that's a really big factor. Um, so even if you've experimented with some of the combination boluses or extended boluses, uh, and it's, it feels like it's not working for you, I would encourage you to to look at the pre-bolus because that can make a really big difference. Yeah, I'm just I'm, a long explanation. For no, <laughs> that was perfect though, because I, and I'm so glad that you said that because I've had that. I I live in Jersey. Pizza is like there. You're not going to find better pizza between here and New mm -hmm. York. So like it's a big staple in <laughs> the New Jersey diet. And I've definitely had that, especially when I, I went to school at, in Pennsylvania, moved home to Jersey. So, of course, naturally, 
started having more. Um, what, and that was a big learning curve of like, all right, now how do I navigate this bolusing strategy? And I've tried, I tried like the 20 minute pre-bolus, ate my pizza and I tanked right down to about 40. And I'm like, what is going on? And then lo and behold, a few hours later, like I swear, it's like right as I closed my eyes, mm-hmm. saw, you know, looked at my CGM the next morning, I was at like 250, 300. So yeah, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned the, the timing of everything and how that really can make or break the, the bolus. Yeah. And it sounds like a ton of steps. And that's why, again, I'm very pro, like, just consider again, what the fat and the protein is doing and it'll make more, you're going to be like, oh, okay. I just don't want to start the insulin. You don't have to like, like, I hope nobody is over here writing down step one and two. (laughs) You can, but um, it makes, sometimes it makes it feel more overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. again, just really trying to think of it from a holistic, like whole whole pizza view <laughs> yes. of what is what's in this and how is it going to affect me and how can I how can I make that work yeah no I love that so much and I know that there are literal equations that you can find online but mm-hmm. I think I'm very much in the same um standpoint as you of like l- just learn your body learn more about like how the meal digests and like I, I guess I'm with you of like I take a little bit more of an intuitive approach than like a calculated um, because there's so many factors that the calculation isn't taking into consideration. And like at the end of the day, like you need to know that, like we mentioned. So I'm so glad that you said that. Got you. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let me I I will give a brief summary of uh fat and protein and what they I'm pulling up my evidence-based research here so everybody I, gets appropriate information. Um, I think, honestly, I didn't know a lot about how protein digested. Um, And it's very interesting because it's like small, usually less than 21 grams is what they pinpointed. Um, Doesn't seem to really have an effect on glucose. Um, It's also really impacted by whether or not you're eating it with carbohydrates. So if you're having carbs with like a massive amount of protein, the protein is not going to break down into glucose. So it's not really going to have the only impact it'll really have is slowing down the meal. However, (laughs) when you have a pure protein, so let's say you have a a protein shake, that's maybe like 30 to 40 grams of uh, protein, but there really aren't any carbohydrates in it or fat, your body is going to be like, oh, shoot, this is all I have. And it's going to start breaking down that some of that protein into carbohydrates so you may see a blood sugar rise from a pure protein kind of source and um my solution to that again is to just stretch out the insulin as much as possible because it's going to be if you if you do watch it happen it's a very slow rise so you really really want to stretch it um and then it's also less than like what you would normally you know if there's 30 grams of protein you can't use your insulin to carb ratio for that so um, you just sort of, I, I only, and I'm a very, I do heavy hitters uh, with insulin dosing, but um, I only need like a very tiny one unit just extended for four hours for, mm-hmm. for a protein shake. So just to give you an idea, you do need maybe a little bit of extra insulin. Honestly, some of the hybrid closed loop pumps we have right now probably will catch it because it's that slow and that minimal. Um, but just for like people's awareness, Pure, pure protein in the absence of carbs may need a little bit of love, um, especially if you're maybe doing MDI or you, you're not using one of the closed loop pumps. 
That leads to one additional question on this topic. Um, when it comes to, as you mentioned, kind of stretching out the insulin. And one thing that I hear on with a lot of my clients, I'm still on the Omnipod like manual mode uh, so I can manually do extended boluses. Now, if we have a really high fat meal where maybe it is hitting us, you know, four plus hours later, um, from what I've heard about the closed loop systems or quite a few of them is that you can only extend up to two hours or so. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but how would you handle that with the limited tech? It is the bane of my existence. <laughs> it really very much upsets me because I feel like it is a huge issue because we really benefit from those extended bullets and two hours is not often enough. That's just not helpful for a lot of people. Tandem is the only one that you can do that extended bolus on. Medtronic and Omnipod do not let you when you're in the automatic mode. So that really, some people have found little ways of like, basically, instead of splitting the bullets, you just split the carbs. So you you say like, let's, you know, you, you think you need 80 grams of carbs to dose for this pizza. You put, you know, 30 grams of carbs in and have that as a bolus and let Omnipod do its thing and then maybe deliver the rest of that uh, when you see your blood sugar start to rise or like around three, two to three hours later. So some people find that that is helpful with the AID systems, but also you could just, a lot of people do turn it off if they're going to have like a manual or a big meal and they just want to do it manually that's that's okay too obviously go talk to your doctor about it but I'm yes. yeah <laughs> that yeah. it does it's a hindrance for sure it really is frustrating because they just cannot the reason they did that is because they said that the the algorithm could handle it and we're fighting that is just not the case it's just not yeah i feel like that's a yeah. whole it it the timing it doesn't yeah, whole other conversation. But <laughs> if you are on an automated pump and um like Rachel said, obviously talk to your provider um and you know try to find a workaround that works best for you. But I also want to go into our next top meal that was mentioned all in my when I put that question box and I posted a question box and a TikTok and this was like high like highly um sushi. So this, I mean, I'm the type of person I will eat a food a million times and figure out how to handle it. So sushi is a regular in my diet, but we know that it can be very complicated on blood sugars. And I want to kind of dive into that meal a little bit. Sushi is hard. It's like, we're, we're not even going to, we, we are not going to sugarcoat it, but we are going to because sushi is basically sugarcoated. Um, it's like, I think the reason why it's so shocking to see what it does is because there's usually sugar, like straight up sugar in the rice. <laughs> and it is, it is already um, a very fast acting carbohydrate. So, and, and depending on what you like to do with your sushi, um, there may be a little bit more fat and protein, but it tends to mostly just be a very high carb meal, but it's also paired with like, if you, I th again, I think the magic number that the diabetes world came up with, again, your results will vary, but um, meals that are greater than 
uh, 70 to 80 grams of carbs are typically going to slow down digestion as well. So even without high protein or fat, if it's just a really big meal, very high carb meal, you may notice that you kind of have a similar digestive process that like pizza has almost. So my and I don't often advise this because sometimes you just want to eat like seven rolls of sushi and I support that. Um, but a lot of the time, the what I, I recommend with sushi is, is what are you pairing it with? And you always teach this very well is like really trying to find some extra because there's not that much fat and protein topped on the sushi. If you can add some in or even some fiber, like a nice, I love a seaweed salad, um, things like that, that um, you enjoy that, that can kind of bulk up uh, the fat and protein a little bit just to help. That can be uh, a really good strategy to start with. There is an option if you are somebody and you eat some sushi and your blood sugar is double arrows up into the 300s. What I usually suggest for those things is what we call or what Gary Shiner calls a super bolus. Gary is the love of my life. He doesn't know it yet, but (laughs) we're in love. Uh, but he is the the author of Think Like a Pancreas, and he has some very valuable information. But so his super bolus is what you use when you have maybe a meal that's very high in carbohydrate or like simple sugars. Um, I think of this also if I want to have a frappuccino or something that's just going to really hit me very fast and probably also leave me pretty quickly. So what you can do, and unfortunately, it's only possible with insulin pumps, so nobody come for me, but um, you can take your bolus for the carbohydrates and then two hours worth of basal rate to it. So let's say I need five units for my sushi. I know it's going to hit me really hard and really fast. I'm going to take an extra, let's say I take one unit per hour in my pump. I'm going to take an extra two units and put that on there. So it'll be seven units total. And then I'm going to suspend or temp basil, however you have to do it, um, for two hours. So you're basically taking the basil and putting it up front because you know you're going to need all of that right then and there as opposed to, to later. So that can be very helpful in those sorts of situations if you're going to have white rice with sugar all up in it, which is delicious, but can be I- tricky. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And I've, I, maybe I just like skipped through that part of the book by, or like don't remember it, but I've never, that's, that's really smart. Cause you're like, it's almost, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not stacking. It's just, it's just Mm-mm. transferring, it's like transferring it's money also, into a different account. Yes, exactly. I, you know, I love metaphors. So that's like, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. You just know that you need all of that action up front. You really mm-hmm. don't need the basil right there. Um, and so that'll also prevent you from going low. It's also very useful. I call it the responsible rage bolus. So if you are just pissed off and you're about to give yourself 30 units of insulin to come down, don't do it. Try a super bolus instead, or you know, take two hours worth of basil, do that as a bolus, and then temp basil it. And then that can give you a little bit more upfront, a little bit more oomph um, to help bring you down. And this is a little bit easier to do in those hybrid closed loop pumps as well. You really just mostly over bolus and the pump will automatically 
take away your basal rate because it's like, wait a second, why'd you do that? So <laughs> it's um, definitely, it's much more possible with uh, all of the AID systems, which is nice. That is very interesting. I'm going to try that next time because I've definitely experienced that where it's like everything's just hitting you all at once and you're like, hold mm-hmm. up. <laughs> and then you tank <laughs> later and you're like, oh, shoot, what did I do? So I love that. Um, and I've I've found personally, this is just personal experience, but like different sushi has such a different impact. Like I'm a really big fan of like, I, I love fried sushi. <laughs> you know, I get a lot of like shrimp tempura like you know but then i also love my like sweet potato roll so based off of that i'll kind of adjust a little bit differently too and i love your approach of adding in that was actually the the biggest tip that i've gotten from um our mutual friend amanda she's a dietitian she's been on the podcast before she was like why don't you try having edamame before having your sushi Mm -hmm. and biggest game changer one it's so delicious two it like it was more filling and then three, it my it made my bolus work out unbelievably well. So big fan. It really is the magical. Yeah. I I feel like I learned that from Amanda well. probably. <laughs> like through one of her carousel posts. Um, but yeah, it's it's just something we don't I guess sometimes it, it it's hard because I it doesn't mean you cannot have a giant thing of sushi. It's just more so if you um it it just helps if you're you feel like it's not worth it to have seven rolls of sushi because okay. you know you'll be miserable. Then you can still feel satisfied and full off of these these other maybe more fibrous options that are equally as delicious. And you know you don't then you eat like three rolls. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that helps a lot with you know the carb impact because there there just honestly are certain things where there just is a point of no return. Like if you and that is okay. Like if you uh there's just i'm trying to think of something that i just cannot where it's honestly ramen like the little pockets of ramen is very Mm. difficult for me (laughs) but i love them and i will occasionally just go for it and i I know that (laughs) i just know that it's not gonna work out and it's gonna be fine Um, so yeah there's there are just certain things that that maybe You've tried everything, but it's still okay to have those things. Um, but you just are, you understand that, you know, maybe my body just, I mean, we have diabetes. Sometimes it's just going to be, you are, you're going to have an excursion and that's okay. Um, right. We're so. literally doing the job of your pancreas. And that's, that's hard yeah. when you don't have like, I mean, the biggest reframe for me was like your pancreas does this stuff instantly. Like it knows exactly mm-hmm. how much insulin that you need and it's doing on the spot. And you're doing this with insulin that's not peaking for how long? Yeah. Like that's so much work while factoring in all the other influences that are playing on your blood sugar at one given time. So yeah, give yourself so much credit. <laughs> yeah, there is actually, I don't know if this has been confirmed. I think it is. Yeah. Th- your pancreas starts giving you insulin if it thinks you're going to eat. Like you smell food, like your brain is like, hey, I'm about to down this pizza. And it basically starts. So we are totally, it's, yeah, the the insulin sucks and we we have to like use so much brain power. So it is totally okay. You will not have a straight line in a lot of these situations. And 
And like, again, totally fine. A lot of the time you are not eating massive amounts of pizza and seven sushi rolls every single day. I mean, again, right. if you want to, I'm, what, do you do you. But um, no. <laughs> these are generally, um, you're not doing this like a ton yeah. um, for every meal. So it really is, it's just a little blip in time mm-hmm. and everything, everything is chill. You've got yep. it. That's like one of the one things that we talk about our client, talk about the one thing. We say to our clients, if like they're seeing something in their blood sugar reports, it's like, all right, is this a trend or is this a pattern? Like, did you go to a birthday party and have three slices of pizza and it just, there was so much going on that you didn't have the bandwidth to bolus properly or, you know, there's so much going on? Or is it that you're having that every other night and now we need to nail down the strategy? Like, there's, that's such a different, you're not going to be doing that all the time, to your point. Um, Okay, so for the, this last one, I want to actually do like a little Uno reverse. Is I want to ask you because you're a person living with diabetes, you do the, like you work with patients and clients. What is the most complicated food that you've found? I know you just said ramen, so maybe maybe that maybe a different one. But yeah, let's kind of like pick your brain. Honestly, Mexican food is definitely a struggle because I want to have chips and I want to have a margarita. Margarita. It's not even it's like the experience of the Mexican restaurant yes. rather than the food, honestly. Mm-hmm. But uh that's that's kind of that that's what we call a mixed meal, where it's like you you have these chips right up front and they're gonna digest in two hours and they benefit from a pre-bolus, but you also are then gonna have I'm a I'm a rice and beans kind of gal. Um so like you're you're gonna have more carbohydrates and then but also a, a fairly high fiber, high protein, high fat kind of side as well. And then we add alcohol to the mix. If you're having a it's a whole nother thing. So I I think Mexican is also one that I sometimes I'm just like, well, that was that was a vibe. Um, and you just do the best you can. But um, again, understanding those components is so important. So if we look at the chip, you know okay, I, it doesn't even really matter how many carbs you're eating, you know, you're probably going to bolus this, this is something that might even benefit from that uh, super bolus we talked about. Um, But you do know, you probably need a pre bolus for that. So I oftentimes am giving myself a separate bolus for my chips. And then when my stuff comes out, (laughs) which I know is a higher fat meal, then I I treat it as such and, and do kind of a separate instance. Uh, in that regard because if you get it all to you know like everything's going to be like 100 grams of carbs then it's gonna it's not going to work as well because they digest so differently um the thing really to consider about fat not only is it slowing down the digestive system but it also temporarily increases your serum triglycerides and this means you are now insulin resistant as all get out. And um, it's, it happens for hours. hours. Like what they were seeing it like for eight hours in some people. So that's why sometimes you see like such a late night rise after some of these really, really high meals. Um, so a lot of the time that means you may, again, especially if it's greater than 40 grams of fat, or you're just noticing that there's there's a certain threshold for you, you will probably need more insulin. 
Um, it's typically around 20 to 30% more insulin than you would normally give yourself. And you're going to extend it out um, as well. So you uh, that's in definitely in Mexican food um, and pizza. A lot of the time you may need like 20 to 30% more of them just tacked on to, to your bolus as well and then split up um, just because of that fun experience there. A little bit extra tax. You know? <laughs> For my MDI people, um, and this is another Gary tip because he is the greatest uh, of all time. There, There is, again, you can't necessarily do that true extended bolus where it's very slowly coming, you know, almost like a little drip. Um, that the insulin pump can do. So some people actually use regular insulin, which is the old insulin that I grew up on <laughs> that that has a longer uh, duration time. So it's about five hours as opposed to three hours. And the onset is 30 minutes. So we used to need 30 minute free boluses, which was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works phenomenally. <laughs> In the setting of those high fat, high protein, like pizza or Mexican food, um, because it really stretches it out. So that's another, you can ask your doctor, Hey, there are instances where I feel like this might be helpful. Um, would you be open to prescribing regular insulin, um, AKA the Walmart insulin Mm -hmm. and, uh, just using that in instances where you need to extend the bolus. Um, so that can, for my MDI people, that's one of the solutions. That's that's so interesting. Like, and it definitely beats like taking an injection every yeah. ten minutes, like whatever it is. You know, so I'm not into that. That's. Did you ever read the sugar surfing book? I haven't, but I've yeah, I've heard. That's wild. That's but a lot. he really does. He like he and I do agree with some of his like what he he's basically what he says is bolus on the delta. So when he sees it start to rise. He gives himself a tiny, tiny mm. little dose. But like, who has time for that? That's literally crazy. So I, yeah, I think we can do a lot better than that. Um, again, I, if you are using MDI, you know, splitting it up and, and that's a good indicator that you need to give that additional dose is that Delta um, or using a different type of insulin is another mm. solution because nobody should be sitting there waiting for your blood sugar to go up a little bit. and. <laughs> Watching your CGM six injections. Every, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I so, love it. It's, it's so about, crazy. It's all about having options, right? So like just, you know, especially when I feel like, especially when MDI comes up with your doctor, it's just like, we'll just go on a pump. And it's like, well, what if that's not what I want to do? What if that doesn't fit into my preferences or my lifestyle? So I love that. Um, This was so informative. And I feel like Everybody who's listening has a lot to take away and implement and troubleshoot. And that's the thing, too, is like this whole thing is a troubleshooting process. You very likely will not get it right the first time. So like use it as an experiment to try again and see what works best for you and your body. So thank you so much for taking us through this kind of like I call it the decision making process behind, you know, all these different meals and real life experiences. Um, I would love to kind of tell everyone where, like, if anyone wants to follow you, see all of your incredible educational content, where they can they find you? Um, what do you, yeah, what do you offer? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> my most 
most of what's going on is on social media. So you can find me on Instagram. It's give me some sugar diabetes. My TikTok is give me some sugar beaties because I could not fit the full chronic illness there. But that's a little bit more unhinged late night kind of vibe. So if you want more family, <laughs> honestly, they're not family friendly, but either way, <laughs> you can find me on, on social. And we do talk a lot about um, uh, bolus strategy and things like that. I do have um, a course that I created that is all about what we talked about today. So if you feel like your brain is just on fire, which is understandable, um, I, I have more of a broken down version of it. And uh, that all of that all the things you need to find me for you can go to my website for so that's give me some sugar dot coach um and you can find social links and bloggers and free shenanigans and all, all the things stuff. i will put all those links <laughs> in the show notes as well so everyone can you know whatever listening platform that you're on you can just go and find the links there but thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to hear everybody's feedback, which if you love this episode, go on your favorite listening platform and leave a little five-star review and leave a leave a review saying that you love this episode. It lets us know what to create more of. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me.